Welcome to another edition of Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. We're so glad you chose to listen with us today, and we pray your life will be blessed through the following message. Enough about that, except for the fact that that all leads into kingdom stewardship, which is what we've been talking about for several weeks. When you're talking about praying to the Lord and asking Him about an offering, what you're really saying is, Lord... With the finances you've entrusted me with, how would you like me to divvy them up? And specifically, I'm asking you, in this case, like we said, Pastor Diane Kirk, uh, um, Passion Life Church, Pastor Matt Smith, Lord, what do you want me to do with your finances that you've entrusted me with? And then listen, because guess what? I don't want you to be guilted into anything, and neither does the Lord. The Lord may honestly, sincerely tell you, don't give anything this time. But be listening because he may tell you to give everything. That's the key. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. That's the message I'm trying to preach to you week in and week out right now is that that relationship with Jesus is the most important part of kingdom stewardship. You know, I remember one time growing up, dad made the mistake of giving me the ATM card. I know they're called debit cards now, but back then it was the ATM card. And I got to go purchase something. I don't remember where it was, but... He forgot to ask for it back. No problem. So I began to use that just a little bit at a time. And thankfully at that point in time, maybe not thankfully, but at that time, you know, dad wasn't super great at keeping up with every dollar he spent. And so by only doing $10 here and there, maybe a 20, it didn't, you know, he would think, man, I just forgot about that, whatever. He didn't think anything about it. This went on for, I don't know, two or three months at least. And then I started to get, he said, a little longer. Maybe a little longer. And then, as any good Christian should, I came under conviction. And the Holy Spirit began to eat me alive. I knew I was doing wrong. I was lying to my dad. I was using money I didn't have authority to use at the time. And it wasn't my money. Yes, I had the card. I had access to it, but it wasn't mine. And so... I decided to do the right thing, give him his card back, but my flesh needed one more, one more trip. It's always that last time that busts you. I just want you to know. And I figured if it's going to be the last trip, I need a little bit to hold me over. So I pulled out a hundred dollars. Well, a hundred dollars don't go quite as far today as it did back then, but it went pretty far. That one got me. He knew he had not pulled out a hundred dollars and I had to fess up. I had to fess up. Now, you know what? He still loved me. He made sure. I don't believe I ever got that ATM card again. He'd give me a little cash. If he didn't have cash on him, I just had to do without. Eventually, he did start trusting me again with that. My dad's always been a really forgiving person, and it didn't take really long. But, but he still loved me. He still trained me. He still taught me. <laughs> he, he, just, he, just, he just, yeah, he had to teach me a few lessons with that. He also made me pay it back. I had to do some chores and pay that money back. I didn't just get away with it. You know, I think about that nowadays, that that to me is a pretty good reflection of kingdom stewardship. How so? Because God's entrusting us with that ATM card, and he's given us authority to use it for certain purposes. But see, that card has so much more available on it. See, God's resources are infinite. It's up to us to use them properly. And to realize they're not, they're not ours. 
They're his. He's entrusted us with them. That's not just money. That's people. Think about your family. Think about your kids. God's entrusted you with them. But if we misuse that trust, God's just not going to sit there with no consequences. Now, he'll still love us. He'll forgive us. He will eventually trust us with more as we prove ourselves worthy. But there are consequences. I had to pay back that money. The key is knowing what God's saying to you. See, I knew what I was allowed to spend and not allowed to spend on that card because I have a relationship with my earthly father. And he told me and I heard him. The problem is I I drug my brother down with me because I don't know that he really knew where the money was coming from and I don't know that he really cared. He just wanted to get a biscuit with me that, you know, each morning. He didn't care where it came from. But as a result, I drug him down with me. See, we can do that. If we are not listening to the Lord and using the resources properly, we can, drink, we can bring people down with us. Now, again, all this can end in restoration. God can definitely forgive, restore. All of that is possible. But what God's wanting us to get to the point of is that we don't go down that road, that we understand who we are in Christ, that I understand my role as dad's son, that I understand that when he entrusts me with something, I'm to do what he's told me to do with it. Sometimes it just takes obedience. Just takes obedience. It's called being a steward. I'll never forget when I first got in ministry, way back, way back. This was when I was uh, in my 20s. It was the first time God called me to full-time ministry, and I, I showed up to work, and Dad had an errand for me. He had some cassette tapes. I know some of you young people don't really know what a cassette tape is unless you're looking at, you know, history or a museum, but cassette tapes was the streaming of the day. It was a little harder to get to an access than today, but cassettes is how you got the message to people. So he gave me a set of cassettes to take to a man that was up at the hospital up here at Piedmont Henry so he could just stay in contact. He could learn. He could listen. And so I did. I set out on that mission, went up to the hospital, didn't know which room he was in. So I asked the nurse at the station, I said, I'm here to see so-and-so and her face just dropped. I said, well, maybe I mispronounced the name. I, I'm not really sure who this guy is. She said, uh, may I ask who you are? I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, he's a member of our church. My dad's a pastor, and he sent me up here to bring him some tapes. She looked at me, and she said, I, I, don't, I don't know how to tell you this, but he's, he's not here. He's gone. I thought, he's already checked out of the hospital? She said, no, sir, you're not getting it. He died. I said, what? He died? Then I started thinking, my dad is messing with me. He sent me all the way up here to the hospital. I'm going to get back to him, and he's going to be laughing. Ha, 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 welcome to ministry, because that's what he loves to tell me, right? Welcome to ministry. I go back to the restaurant. I meet Dad, and he's at, he's at lunch, and we sit down. He said, you get those tapes delivered? I said, Dad, I, I tried. They told me he died. He said, what? He died? I said, that's what they said. said he died. Why am I telling you that story? Sometimes we don't understand what's going on. Sometimes we may be on a mission for the Lord and we don't understand what's going on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My father needed me to do something. My earthly father needed me to do something in that that moment. And I didn't need to give him grief about it. I needed to be obedient and do it whether I understood it or not. 
You know, they're just those times. That's what being a kingdom steward is. It's saying, hey, Lord, I, I, I am so grateful for what you've entrusted me with. I'll do what you want me to do with the, the time, the talents, and the resources. Sometimes you might hear a little something. I remember one time I'm at the bowling alley, and I see this guy, and he, he, he looks homeless. I'll just be honest with you. He looked really run down, beaten up, dirt all over him. And I really felt like the Lord told me to buy him some food. Now, I'm a teenager at this time, maybe 20s. I don't know. It's always going back to the 20s now. And so I wasn't real confident in myself, and I was really unsure of what I was about to do, but I knew I had to be obedient because the Lord just wouldn't leave me alone. And so I walked up to the man, and I said, Sir, I just feel like the Lord would have me buy you some food. Can I buy you something? But his look changed, and he was not happy with me. You could tell. How dare you? assume anything about me that I need your money or your help, your food. He said, I don't need anything. I said, I, I was confused. I was confused. I thought, Lord, why are you send me over there knowing that guy's going to eat my lunch? Like, I don't understand why you'd put me through that. But you know, that became a learning lesson for me. I prayed about that a lot, talked with my earthly father about it. And this is what I came away learning from that encounter. I had a role and that other guy had a role. I was to be obedient with the resources God had entrusted me with and offer to buy this man something to eat. The reality is, I don't know if he needed something to eat or not, and knowing what I know nowadays, he probably did. But his pride would not allow him to humble himself enough for this kid to buy him something to eat. I mean, he refused to receive the blessing that God was trying to pour out on him. See, my job was not to force him to do anything. My job was to be obedient. You know, we, we go to people and we give words to them. We, we pray for them. We may bless them with a meal or more material things. Whether they receive that or not is on them. Your job is to just simply have that relationship with the Lord to the point you know he was speaking to you. To know he was speaking to you. That's what being a kingdom steward is. It all boils down to relationship. What's our motto? It's becoming passionate pursuers of God. What's that based on? It's based on the scriptures in Matthew that say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. Why would that be the first commandment? Because Jesus understood that if you can do the first commandment, the rest of them will take care of themselves. He did talk about the second commandment, but he said the first and greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Building that relationship, knowing who God is. That's how you become a kingdom steward. Let me recap what we talked about last week just a little bit. I asked you to think like a farmer. Whatever you plant is what you're going to get back. And if you don't plant anything, you can expect nothing in return. You have to plant the seed. God will provide everything else, the nutrients, the water, the growth. What you plant ought to be specific I will not go so far as to talk about, um, let me back up just a hair. I really played around with this for a lot because I know that in the prosperity message, a lot of times it got very specific on the exact kind of car you wanted down to every little detail. And I'll tell you this right now, if the Lord speaks to you and says, what kind do you want, then be very specific. But if your prayer is, Lord, I need another vehicle, then put it out there and trust the Lord to bless you with the best thing possible. Tammy and I have been the recipients of many vehicles. And the last one we were blessed with that we got to drive for over two years, uh, we didn't pay a dime for it, 
was that Buick Enclave. That was one of the nicest cars I think I've ever owned. And I was not looking for something that nice when I was looking for a vehicle. But I prayed and said, Lord, we need another vehicle. We need something reliable. Lord, would you please provide? And guess what he did? But I didn't just say, Lord, take care of my need. I know he knows it, but he wants us to be a part of it. So I was specific from the standpoint of, Lord, I need a vehicle. That's the kind of specificity. Is that right? Specificity? I think that's right. That I'm talking about. Well, how do you know, Herman, if God's telling you to be very specific about the color, the type of interior of the vehicle? Because you're going to have a relationship with the Lord. I mean, I don't know about you, but Tammy and I spend more time deciding where we want to eat out than we do actually eating out. Right? The first part of that was easy. You want to eat out? Yes, I do. I don't want to do dishes tonight, and I don't want to cook tonight. That's normally her part of the conversation, just so you know. But I do want to eat out tonight. Great. Where do you want to eat out? Oh, my goodness. That conversation may take half an hour longer. I see some people pointing fingers. I'm not the only one in that, that situation I see. All right? So sometimes you got to be specific. How do you know how specific to be? That relationship with the Lord. We've been asking the Lord to move for this, these passionate pursuit meetings, but you know what? We got more specific. We said, Lord, we want to see salvations. That's pretty specific. We want to see salvations. I didn't put a number on it for the Lord, and he didn't tell me to put a number on it. You with me? I just want to see salvations, and guess what? I believe we're going to see salvations through these next five days. Specific. Because as a farmer, if you plant an apple seed, you should expect to get apples. You should expect an apple tree. If you plant an apple seed and you get an orange or a watermelon, something went wrong. Something messed up. It wasn't an apple seed like you thought. Well, guess what? It's the same for anything else we plant. If you're planting a grace seed, you should expect to get grace back. You should be planting mercy seeds, peace seeds. You should be planting these type of seeds so that they will grow and you'll have a chance to harvest them in your own life. But what you plant is what you're going to get. It's what you're going to grow. I want to encourage you, don't wait until you have a need to sow that seed. We talked about that last week. Don't wait. Well, how do I know what I have need of? Well, the Bible talks about how we should treat other people, how we should live our lives. And so every time you're doing unto another, you're planting a seed. And as you plant those seeds, I promise you, that need will be met if and when it comes up in your life. We talked at the end about Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and that's what I want to get into today. Because you see, kingdom stewardship requires action. It can't just be the faith part. You have to have action as well. You have to do something. We talked about you have to actually plant the seed. You can't just go by the field and say, Lord, I pray over this field that the crops would come in. Did you plant any seed? No, God, but you can do it magically. Well, I mean, yes, he could do it, but the reality is he has asked us to play a part. The Bible says that he has, he knows of our every need before we even ask. Then why do I have to ask? Because we have to play a part. It needs action to go along with it. We have to do something. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. And we use this all the time for finances, and it does apply to finances, but it applies to everything. 
If you give grace, then you'll get grace back. If you give peace, you're going to get peace back. If you give compassion, you're going to get compassion back. If you give love, you're going to get love back. See, that golden rule was do unto others as you would like them, have them do unto you. That's biblical. Right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Hopefully you love yourself. There are people that are struggling with that, and I get that. But as a Christian, we should understand who we are in Christ and love ourselves. But you know what? It takes action on our part. We have to be treating others. Notice it didn't say treat others as they treat you. In fact, Jesus spent a lot of time preaching against that, the total opposite. Right? Somebody smacks you on the cheek. I heard that was one of the favorite scriptures last week, right? Oh, no, that's not what I heard. I heard people were not real happy that I brought that scripture up last week. Because there were definitely some people they wanted to slap back. But it's not what the Lord tells us to do. <laughs> give is an action word. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, give. you got to give. Give is an action word. You have to do something. So the question is, what are you planting? Are you planting financial seeds? Are you planting emotional seeds, grace seeds, forgiveness seeds? Let me go through a few examples today about what I'm talking about with faith and actions. you got to have both of those. Faith and actions. In fact, I would say that your actions show God your faith. When we have altar calls here, part of the reason I believe God has us bring people down to the altar is it's an act of faith on your part and an action. If you allow yourself to be talked out of getting the healing or the refreshing or the blessing that you need, then that's on you. And that's an area you need to work on because you don't trust the Lord yet. You're thinking more about what people think of you than what God does. But when you can step out of the aisle and say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm down here every Sunday, Lord. It doesn't matter because it's up to you, God. It's about you. That's building relationship. That's building relationship. Spending time with the Lord, being obedient. So what if you have to come down to the altar every day? You know what? Most of us should be starting our day at the altar. We should be starting at the altar. Because I don't know about you, but I have not reached perfection. I haven't reached perfection. Part of that relationship is getting up and having a conversation with the Lord. What did Dad tell you? That, that we're created in God's image and His likeness. And one of the differences between humans and animals is that we can converse back and forth. We, we talk. I'll tell you something. We had a dog, and I know everybody thinks that your dog listens to everything you say. But I'm going to tell you it's based more on the sounds that are coming out of your mouth than the actual words. How do I know that? We had a dog named Katie. And you'd say her name, but she'd perk up. Yeah. i say, hey, Katie. Hey, Katie. How you doing? How you doing? All right. Come here, Katie. And she'd come. So I began to test this out. And one day I said, hey, Katie. Hey, Katie. How you doing? Go away, Katie. And she'd come. Why? Because we had trained her with that particular sound to come. And when she came, that's where she got the reward, right? You can train animals. I'm not sure about cats, but you're supposed to be able to train animals. We do that through those rewards and things like that. But what's happening is we're responding to the phrasing, to the sound, okay? But when you and I are speaking, we're having a conversation. We're building relationship, Okay, if I say, hey, Mildred, but I'm looking right at Tammy, Tammy's not going to respond to me. 
except with maybe a quizzical look like, are you, are you talking to me? Because I'm not Mildred, and you know that. Right? So it's not just the sound of my voice. It's not just the inflection. It's not just the tone. It's the words that we're hearing. So let me give you some examples here of relationships that showed faith and actions. I'm going to start with Elijah. We're going to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 2 through 4. If you don't know, Elijah was a pretty uh, well-known guy in the Bible. Pretty important prophet in the Bible. Says in verse 2, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I want you to listen to that last part one more time. This is the Lord talking to Elijah. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I'm going to tell you two things about that. First of all, you've got to have a relationship with the Lord to know that you're going somewhere that, that you don't already have food and water. Sustenance. You have to know that you're hearing the voice of the Lord, and you have to have faith that he's going to do what he said he would do. But you know what? That's still not enough until you actually go, until you actually take action. So then it goes on in verse 5 to say, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. That's the action. He heard the Lord. Then he did what the Lord said. Too many of us are hearing the Lord but not doing what he's asked us to do. To be a kingdom steward, it requires action. It's not enough just to hear the voice of the Lord. You have to do what he's asking you to do. And may I tell you that's uncomfortable sometimes? I didn't put this story in my notes, but I should have. I remember when Paul was converted. He got blinded on the road to Damascus. And he has an encounter with Jesus, and his life is forever changed. Don't forget that Paul is chasing Christians to put them in jail and kill them. And everybody knows it. So then God speaks to Ananias. Not that Ananias, a different Ananias. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to meet Paul and I want you to pray that his eyes would open. And Ananias is like, what? God, you know this guy's trying to kill people like me. When I say you better know that it's the voice of the Lord to go and pray for somebody that's hunting you and not just to give you a ticket or a fine or call you a dirty name, but to put you in jail or kill you, you better have a relationship with the Lord. But guess what Ananias did? He went. He went. And because of that, God was able to use him to heal Paul. And Paul was another one that set this world on fire, turned it upside down. See, we don't have to understand why. We just have to be obedient. And sometimes that obedience comes with risks, but the risks are only in the natural. There's no, there's no risk in the spirit. God knows what he's asking you to do. So he tells Elijah, and Elijah actually does what he hears the Lord tell him to do. Verse 5 again says, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, I don't know what more proof you need, but when a bird brings you your meal in the morning and the evening and doesn't eat it first himself, 
I got to be honest, when I read the previous scriptures, I thought the ravens were going to be his meal. I thought God was just going to kill them like he did, you know, the manna from heaven, and just bam, they all fell on the ground, and he'd have his pick of whatever he wanted that night, which would be impressive enough as it is. But the fact that the ravens brought him food in the morning and the evening, that's why, again, my favorite scripture is Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You think Elijah had a testimony right then? You think anybody could talk him out of his relationship with the Lord God Almighty? You think God's interested in just telling us these stories just to tell us good stories? No, he wants us to use them as an example for us to move forward in our relationship with him to become the kingdom stewards that he knows you and I can be, to become those kingdom stewards that put faith with action. That's the only way the disciples were able to be successful was because they put action. They got to spend time with the Lord and see him move. They tried to do some of the same things he did, and they weren't very successful at times. But because they were obedient and the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon them, man, then they did mighty things. God used them to do some amazing things. Go read that New Testament. Go read Acts. Unbelievable stuff in there. God didn't want to do that just then. God wants to do that now. Why? Because it brings forth his kingdom and his will. But his will is for us to be willing to do what he needs us to do. You've been put in the position you're in to carry out a mandate from the Lord to further his kingdom, not yours, not mine. So he put action to the word of the Lord. There was a widow named Zarephath. We'll call her Z. I don't know exactly how to pronounce her name. I think that's pretty close. You can read about her in 1 Kings 17. It's the rest of that chapter. But I'm just going to summarize it for you and tell you that she was down to the last bit of flour, and she was ready to die. She had already embraced the fact that this was going to be her last meal. There was nothing she could do about it, and she just knew that you'd die of starvation, I guess, and you were going to, she was going to die. I'm not making that up. It says very specifically in there. It was her last meal, and then she was going to die. You know that she was not totally on board with Elijah. It talked about him saying, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Why am I bringing that out? Because you may be scared to do what God's asking you to do, but if you will put action to that, even though you're dealing with some fear, God will show up in a mighty way, and that's what he did here with Zarephath. Despite the fear, despite the natural of being down to her last meal, she made that bread cake for Elijah and the water. And Elijah told her, said, if you'll do this, your jar of flour and your oil will not run out until the next rain. Well, I don't know about you, but I understand rain brings the harvest. Rain is necessary. And so one of the reasons I believe that she wasn't able to replenish the flour was not just monetary reasons, but because of the drought, there is nothing to replace it with. So she decides that she's going to step out in action. And she makes that cake. She gave. And what do you think happened? But she had to first give. Just like Luke 6 tells us, give and it shall be given. She gave and guess what it was given back. Look at 1 Kings 17 verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. 
So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now, we see the awesome miracle of the Lord, but I want you to see one step further than that. What do you think her testimony was from that day on? You think she still operated in that same fear? I don't either, because she saw God move. Her faith level went through the roof. Why? Because she took action. Kingdom stewards have to take action. Faith without works is dead, says James. You have to take action. See, the saying is walk by faith, not talk by faith. we got a lot of good talkers in this world. We need walkers. We need people to walk by faith. I don't know about you, but I'm leery of somebody that comes up to me, just starts talking and giving me all their credentials about how good they are. But yet, if that same person shows me, they don't have to tell me, I see it for myself. I know. It's just about walking by faith, not talking by faith. Let me tell you of another one, Hannah. How many of you know of Hannah in the Bible? Yeah. In 1 Samuel, the first chapter, it talks about Hannah. She was unable to get pregnant. She was one of two wives, right? And the other wife could get pregnant and was a little mean to her, made fun of her. And guess what? In those days, especially if you were unable to get pregnant, that was akin to a curse. There's something wrong with you. So it wasn't just like, oh, she can't get pregnant. I mean, it was like there was something wrong with you. You were lesser of a being. But she went and prayed and promised God that if God would bless her with a son, that she would dedicate that son back to him. That she would give that son back. See, she had to give. And that's what she did. That's what she did. She put action with her faith. God blessed her with a son. That son was Samuel. That Samuel was a pretty well-known guy in the Bible as well. He was instrumental in, uh, in Saul and David and, and the lineage that leads to Jesus. That's a pr- pretty important kid right there. And Hannah was his mama. You know? God did something amazing. But you know it didn't stop there? Because once God blessed her with the child, she had to do what she said she was going to do. And she did. She dedicated Samuel back to the Lord, gave him back to God. And later on you read she was blessed with five more children. A woman that was barren and couldn't have any children ended up with six children. Uh, Unreal. Just, Just amazing. Amazing. How about the boy with the bread and the fish? Or some I've heard, the crackers and the sardines. When it talks about feeding 5,000 people, they're talking about the men. When they recorded that in the Bible, it's 5,000 men, but there were women and children there as well. And they had this one boy with a basket of fish and bread, five loaves of bread and two fish. I must tell you that I'm not sure that would feed my five family members. And if that's all we bring to Thanksgiving, we're probably leaving hungry. And there were 5,000 men alone And God took that, he blessed it, and guess what? There was so much left, they filled 12 baskets full of the leftover bread. You know what I never thought about in that story until recently? Because it's never brought out by the writer. It doesn't talk about how that boy hesitated. I don't see anybody telling that boy, do not be afraid like Elijah had to tell Zarephath. You want to talk about childlike faith? Why do you think God's constantly putting that out there if we have the faith of a child? 
Because here's a kid who's probably hungry himself. He says, Jesus needs this. Here you go. No questions asked. And I seriously doubt he was worried about whether he'd get fed or not. I think he had seen enough and trusted enough that he knew that he'd be taken care of. That's why we got to have that childlike faith to say, all right, Lord, this is what you need. That's what I'll do. Not to think about all the possibilities of what could go wrong. So he did. And the Lord blessed him back. What does it say in Luke 6, 38? It says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. From one basket with five loaves and two fish came back 12 baskets of leftovers. I don't know how you do that. God's math is amazing. That to me is pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's what God does. That's what he does. I like what Tony Evans says. He said, when God sees faith through our actions and not just our words, he responds. You need forgiveness? You know what you need to do? Give forgiveness. If you don't need forgiveness, you know what you should do? Give forgiveness because it plants a seed for one day you might need forgiveness. You need love? Give love. Give love according to the way God gives love, not the way the world talks about love. Are you seeking a promotion? Give extra at work, at the office, or employ somebody. Hire some some kid to mow your lawn or do some stuff around the house. Plant those seeds. Plant those seeds. You want to grow your business? Help another to grow theirs. You want God to bless your church? Bless another church. I told you that's what we're doing here. We've given away money to other churches as well. We've sowed into another church's uh, uh, building fund. We're allowing another church to meet here to, to, to help them out while they're waiting on their building to finish be, being built. And what are we praying for? We're praying for a building ourselves, right? You know, like God sees the seed that we're sowing. Here's the great thing. We didn't sow those seeds to get back from God. We sowed those seeds because that's what the Lord told us to do. But that's what we got to be as kingdom stewards. Yes, it says give and it will be given to you. Don't just give to get. See, a kingdom steward says, Lord, what do you want me to do with these assets, these time, these, this time, these talents, these treasures, Lord God? And he doesn't say, okay, you want me to do this, well, what am I getting in return? That's not what a kingdom steward does. Kingdom steward says, okay, Lord, I will do this. I will trust you. I will put action to my faith and trust you to take care of me. How about Ruth? Ruth built a relationship with her mother-in-law, and it resulted in a, a secure relationship with her future husband. Something she actually really wanted, but she, she sowed that seed with her mother-in-law, and then God blessed her with that husband in Boaz. Let's take a closer look, if we could, at Luke 6.38. Given it will be given to you, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Who is they? Who is they? Exactly. It's whoever the Lord chooses. Whoever the Lord chooses. You know, I remember when the lottery first came to Georgia, and we had churches putting signs up saying, don't bring your ill-gotten gains here. <laughs> Daddy said, I want to put up a sign that says, they're welcome here. <laughs> We'd be more than happy to take your ill-gotten gains. We don't have a problem with that. We will use them for the kingdom of God. You know, God will use people. He'll use the wicked to bless you. He will use people to further his kingdom if we will allow him to. 
So who's the they? It's whoever God determines. Let's go back to farming real quick and think agriculturally. In the New Testament times, when you went to the market, you might buy some um, uh, grain. And what the what the merchant would do is he would take your container, maybe your bag, and he would scoop out what you ordered. But he wouldn't put it all into the bag to start with. He'd put about three-fourths in. And then he'd take that bag and he'd shake it around so that he could fill in all the gaps. And then he'd pour more in and then he'd press it down to make sure that you didn't miss out on anything you ordered, to make sure you didn't just fall on the ground, to make sure you got your full order. You know what's really cool about that visual right there compared to what God does? See, God took it one step further. God doesn't just shake it together and press it down. What does it say he does? It'd be running over. I doubt the merchant gave you more than you ordered back then. Just like today, they don't want to give you more than you ordered. But God's up there saying, man, I'm telling you, if you just do what I'm asking you to do, you, you just can't imagine the blessings that are coming your way. See, we have to remember as a kingdom steward, yes, they're God's assets, but we get to enjoy them. We get to enjoy them, but we have to be willing to give them as God instructs us to. As God instructs us to. I'm almost done here. Give me just a minute. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Now to him, him is God. He is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. You know why I don't get super specific sometimes? Because I believe that there's things out there I didn't even think about. I've been blessed with things before. I didn't even realize how good it was. I've told you this story before, but I think it bears repeating. Daddy used to get tickets to sporting events. And we'd sit, I'm talking right by first base, maybe second or third row. We'd sit right behind home plate, second or third row. Man, we had some amazing seats. They were so good, I didn't even realize how good I had it until I went to buy my first round of tickets. And I started looking behind home plate. And it didn't take long until I adjusted and looked more towards the outfield and the upper deck because they those tickets close were very expensive. I, I don't want to rob Sonia of her uh, testimony, but I know they just recently went to the Rose Bowl. I don't know if y'all priced out Rose Bowl tickets before, but, but they're not cheap. And yet God blessed them with four. Blessed them with four. And there was more to that testimony. Like I said, I'm not going to take her testimony. I just want to tell you that one part of it. You know, not even something they necessarily thought about doing for themselves. Right? Can you think of an example in your life where God has just blessed you more than you ever thought he could? I told you about that car. I wasn't even thinking about those turns. Man, it was really cool. That wood paneling dash, the leather seats. May I tell you that I really, really miss those leather seats right now? I got, I got another car. That one, that one died. Lord gave it to us two years. It was beautiful, fantastic. Loved it. We got another car. It's got cloth seats. I don't know about y'all, but big boys sweat. And being in cloth seats do not help. I didn't realize how good I had it with those leather seats. So what I'm saying is when I was asking God for a car, even if I'd have been specific right then, I don't know what all's possible. So to me, it makes more sense to say, Lord, this is the need I have. Lord, would you meet that need how you see fit? I've been blessed with a minivan before. My brother would make fun of me. But, you know, we were able to do a lot with that, not just with our family, but picking people up and ministering to people. And we needed a minivan at that time. But I wasn't thinking in terms of that. But when you're the kingdom steward, 
and you just trust the Lord, He will give you what you need. Your, your job is just to figure out what you're needing it for. Why is God blessing you with this? Are you getting the picture? In the words of my daddy, my earthly father, is this making sense to you? I hope it is. I hope it is. Because God wants to bless you, but he also wants to be able to bless others through you. Let me look at just a couple more examples here. One specific is Abraham. In Genesis, the 12th chapter, verse 2, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse them who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Why was God able to use Abraham to bless all the families of the earth? Because he was a kingdom steward who understood his relationship with the Father and took action the way the Father asked him to take action. When God said, pick up your tents and leave, he picked them up and left. When he said, hey, take your son and sacrifice him to me, he went to do just that. Abraham didn't always understand, I will bet you. Why? Because I'm human, and sometimes God asks me to do stuff, and I'm like, okay, Lord. It doesn't make any sense, but you asked me to do it, so I'm going to do it. tell you one more story here. Dad and I were riding down the road the other day. He reminded me of, reminded me so well, I don't remember his name, pastor in Korea, South Korea. Paul Youngie Cho has the largest church in definitely Korea and maybe all over the world. We're talking millions of followers. And at the time, they probably had 100,000, which is, that's a pretty good number. Yeah, 100,000 people. And he's getting ready to preach, and God speaks to him immediately and says, I want you to step down right now. I want you to quit. And his relationship with the Father was so strong, he didn't question it. He told the church right then, the Holy Spirit's telling me i got to step down. i got to step down right now. And as he gets in the car after service, he realizes the car he's driving is not his. It belongs to the church. The house he's living in is not his. It belongs to the church. Everything he has belongs to the church, and he just stepped down. His relationship was so strong with the Lord, he didn't even think about those things. And thank God he didn't because he might have second-guessed everything. But the church took care of him. The church provided the vehicle, the car, the house, and everything that he needed to move to what God was moving him to next. So he's riding down the road one day, and he sees a piece of land, and God says, I want you to buy that piece of land. He said, God, I don't even have a church. All right. He said, I want you to buy that land. He said, okay. So he sets up a meeting with the banker, a friend of his, or he's at least well-known in, in this community. He's going to go borrow some money to buy this land. But before he leaves for the meeting, he gets up out of his prayer room, and he walks out the door, and he turns around and comes back in to the prayer room. Stays for a little bit, gets up, walks out. Turns around, comes back in, does this six or seven times. Finally, his wife says, what are you doing? He said, man, when I'm in that prayer room, the faith is there. I'm ready to go. I walk out, it's gone. He said, I'm not going to that meeting unless I have the faith that I need. So he kept praying until he had the faith. And when he finally had the faith, he went to the meeting. He sits down in the meeting. The banker asks him what he's wanting to do. He said, I want to borrow about $50,000. I want to buy a piece of property. He said, okay. He said, how, how large is your church? He said, I don't have a church. He said, what kind of assets you got? He said, I don't own anything. So the guy turns his back to him because in that culture, that's a sign of disrespect. You know, you've disrespected him. He's disrespecting you. And then he turns back around and he says, Paul, the bank's not going to loan you money. You don't have any assets. You don't have anything to put as collateral. He said, I'm just going to write you a check for the full amount of my own bank account. Writes him a $50,000 check and gives it to him. 
Paul Young Chu had no idea that's how that would end. All he knew was what the Lord had told him. And he knew that regardless of what he understood, he was going to be obedient because he was a kingdom steward. And he was going to take action the way the Lord told him to take action. And God blessed him. We have to have that same approach. Our relationship with the Lord has to be so strong that we know when he's talking to us and we simply act. We simply act. Acts 20, 35 says it's more blessed to give than to receive. God's looking for us to be a conduit, somebody he can flow through to your family, to your local church. You need to be involved. You need to be involved. Let me, let me just help you understand this one step further. If God so decides that Southside Christian Fellowship is no more, God would still want you involved with the local church. It's not about Southside Christian Fellowship. We serve a purpose to further God's kingdom here in this community. But if God so chooses one day and he doesn't want us to be here anymore, then we won't be here anymore. We will serve as long as the Lord wants us to serve here in this community. But regardless of whether this particular church is here or not, God has called each of us to serve the local church. That's why it's so important you have that relationship with him so you know where you're planted and not just based off of what church makes you feel good. Because God's got a mission for you, and he wants to flow through you to others. The gifts you have are not for yourself. They're for others. Stand to your feet. Let me close this up. The whole point of today and the examples that I've brought to you today are to tell you that, that kingdom stewardship requires faith and it requires action. James chapter 2, the 18th verse and the 26th verse say it this way. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Don't tell me what you know. Show me what you know. In education, we used to say all the time, kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Until your actions back up your words, it doesn't mean anything to people. Verse 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I want to remind you what I told you already, and this is how I want to close. You need forgiveness, give forgiveness. You need love, give love. You need finances, so finances. That don't make any sense. It's about trust. Sonia came up to me about first fruits. She talked to me about first fruits for just a minute ago. Uh, just one quick part of that. We're talking about finances. Sometimes we pay the bills and then we see what's left over to give to God. First fruits is about giving the first. What's off top? The best. If, and I mean this with all respect and love and as someone who's lived this before. But if you give tithes and offerings and you have nothing left over to pay your bills, you are living outside of your means and not listening to the Lord. You're living for your own comfort. Let me say that again. I say that because that's the way I've done my life a lot of times. And I put myself in financial trouble because I want certain things. I didn't ask the Lord about it. I didn't ask the Lord. But as kingdom stewards, we got to build that relationship. And we've got to take action when the Lord tells us to take action. Amen. Amen. As we pray today, I want to encourage you. If anything I've said to you has made sense, if it's brought conviction, that's of the Holy Spirit. That's not of me. But the Holy Spirit brings conviction so that he can bring cleansing, refreshing, and restoration. He, he, he does so just like a, a doctor cleaning out a wound, getting rid of the stuff that's causing the problem so that it can heal.
So if God has brought conviction this morning, it's so that you can heal because he loves you and he wants to use you. He didn't give you the talents that you have for your own personal gain. He gave them to you to further his kingdom. So Lord, today, as we close out this part of the service, Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to us, that you'd continue to increase our faith, and that, Lord, we would be a people of action and not just words. That, Lord, we would trust you with everything that you have trusted us with and more. Father, we do want to give, Lord God, the way you want us to give. Lord, give us the strength, give us the faith to just do what you've asked us to do. Father, as we build relationship with you, would you continue to draw in closer to us, revealing yourself to us, so that we might be able to be the kingdom stewards that you've called us to be. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.